Welcome to Below the Fold, the most honest and raw digital marketing podcast around. It's good to be back. Coming back with a bang. I might be hiring someone to speak for me. So you think you're an SEO ninja, eh? That was just my little fantasy in the back of my head. Here's the tip. Oh, I know the tip. Are you the one who told me the tip? I need you to come up with 50 business ideas. I'll be back in two hours. I think I need a new title. Welcome back to not just a new episode, but to a new year. This is Below the Fold. I'm Jacob Perry. I'm joined by Paxton Gray and Brandon Hassler. As you know, this show is for startups, marketers, and anyone else wanting to know the ins and outs, the ups and downs of digital marketing. Our guest this week is Wayne Slight, COO of 97th Floor. What's up, my man? Not much. We're going to start the show off with some current events. And this week... Uh, I've got a couple of articles I want to point out or pull out. One of them is the top 10 most shared video brands in 2016. Uh, Did you guys read that article or no? Nope, because you told me not to. I didn't tell you not to. I just said you You could choose not to. What about you, Brandon? I did not. Okay. All right. uh, Tell me what uh, we're going to play a guessing game. Yeah, we're going to play a guessing game. Okay, so what is a video brand in in this case? So a video brand is a brand who has a presence on video. So in this case, it's I think it's I think it's YouTube. So can you give us? I'll uh, give you an example. Narrow this down a little bit. I'm not going to give you one of the companies on the list, but I will say. So they're all companies. We're not talking YouTubers. No, no, no. They're companies. They're brands, right? And they're and most of them are. Our, our big brand. Number one, There's Disney. Hint. Disney number one. Disney number one. That is not right. Oh. Disney, Disney does not even make the top what? ten. What? GoPro's number one. GoPro does not make the top ten. Oh, man. Wow. And I'm this is based on number of shares, of not article. the number of views. Yeah. Okay. Does, do sponsored videos count? Like if Samsung Spons- works with an influencer, mm. does that count as Samsung? I, or are they counting? Are you talking about like Casey's Neistat's one? Like, yeah, he did one with Nike. No, I. So I don't. Oh, what about? I don't know for sure, but I would say no. Just here in my garage, and uh, what I value <laughs> most is these books. Ty Lopez. What about that? Is that technically a company? No. Okay. Shoot, man. Uh, come on, look at, at publishers. At least, You're gonna look at, at ESPN. Yeah, yeah ESPN. ESPN. Well, okay. what you guys right. have guessed has been oh, their good uh, guesses. Late night with Stephen yeah, Colbert. No, not no. Colbert. NBC. Jimmy SNL. Kimmel. No, no. SNL? Or, uh, no, these are not brands. You guys are just naming people. <laughs> SNL is a brand? Okay, Jimmy NBC Kimmel is, a brand. is not a brand. No, it'd be Jimmy NBC. Fallon is not a brand. I would argue that Jimmy Fallon is a brand. Okay, but it's not his... Okay, you can't oh, just say his He's companies. not the company. Traditional companies. Traditional companies. Procter & Gamble. No. Nike. Nike is number six. Boom. Yeah, with um, with five million shares. I will say this: the 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 brand who ranks number one more than doubles the brand who ranks number two. Wow, which is higher than even five million shares, right? Right. Obviously, How about yeah. Apple? No, Apple is no, not on here. No, the no. Microsoft's definitely got to be on. Microsoft here. is definitely not on here. Why would those are third party uh, <laughs> YouTubers that upload? The How about Google? Uh, Samsung is number two. Oh yeah, is Google there? Uh-huh. Google is not on. Wait, here. what? What does Samsung come in at? Twelve point four million, almost twelve point five. What? I don't even million is like what? What are they sharing? I have yeah. no idea. Dang man, is it a is it a company we know? Number one? Yeah. Like when when you hear it, you're just gonna be like, oh yeah, duh. Uh, f- uh, Fox. Uh, Fox. No. TMZ. 
No. <laughs> Perez Hilton. <laughs> is it is it a movie company? No. No movie companies. So surprisingly, there is a gas company on here, number nine, Shell, $4.1 million. Okay, what, what site is this list on? This is marketingland.com. All right. Just Cadbury is number 10. Facebook? No. No. Adidas is number answer. eight. Almirai, number BuzzFeed. seven. BuzzFeed. Does... BuzzFeed's not on here. Then Nike, then Asus. So is lot. it an, a news company? No. Netflix? No. LinkedIn? Is it a B2C or B2B? Uh, B2C. Is it uh, a product we would use? Is their like main product? Is it a product yes. or service? Is it's it a, a product. single product, or like uh, like Procter and Gamble has billions of products? Uh, if they have more than one, it's less than five. Mm. I give up. Number four is Australian Tourist Board. I'll give you that one. Number three is McDonald's. Number two is Samsung, and number one coming at twenty-seven million shares, Red Bull. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Beat. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. GoPro, because I see way more GoPro. Dude, videos. are you kidding? Like, I mean, this wasn't in this. Is this just this year? This is 2016. Yeah, so I mean, this wasn't in last year. But like, think about Felix. Yeah, and they do crap like that all the time. Yeah, but I don't remember anything since then that's been well, probably because you're not in that world. But I've seen. Oh, stuff I'm in that world. He drinks his energy <laughs> drinks every day. So, <laughs> so let me clarify. I said it was YouTube at the beginning. So this is this is based on Unruly's data, and it's across YouTube, Facebook, and the blogosphere. Did you say oh, well, unreleased data? No. What did you say? Unruly's. Unruly. Unruly. Okay, yeah. got it. So they put this together. So the top most shared video brand in 2016 was Red Bull. Huh. Hmm. Surprise Medium is not on there. Uh, <laughs> segue. You like that transition? <laughs> so, speaking of Medium. Speedy, yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of Medium, the other piece of uh, news that I want to talk about is that Medium is laying off one-third of their workforce. Do any of you guys actually use Medium? No. No. Nope. You don't use Medium? You don't? Uh, I have I, I consumed content yeah. on Medium. But you're not like uh I've not posted to Medium. You know, like hop into the Medium app and no. consume info. I made a couple I didn't comments even know they had when it first came out on people's articles, but that's my extent. That's more than most people did. Right? <laughs> I had the article up, and now it's not up anymore, so I don't have all the specifics. But they're transitioning their business model. They're getting rid of their ad platform, so they're not looking to make money off of ads on Medium anymore. But most of the people they're laying off are salespeople. Oh. Also, one-third of employees apparently is 50 employees. Yeah, 50. Mm-hmm. I would have thought it was a lot more for some reason. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then the last thing I, I thought we could talk about was that uh, CES started today. Did you guys look at any of the new tech stuff that's coming out? Yeah. It's all, yeah. It's all like Internet of Things things. Did you guys see the new Toyota uh, concept car? No. no. It looks like a magic mouse. Really? <laughs> I'll show you a picture. Nice. Wow. You know, uh, <clears throat> pictures make for great radio. Yeah, you're right. Why don't you describe Let me, let me describe, it. describe this for it you. To us. It looks like a magic mouse <laughs> made by Apple. Oh. It's white. Uh-huh. It's sleek. has a lot of touch features. Uh, the dashboard has a 3D heads-up display, and it's uh, it's um, operating system. No, no, no. What do they call it? So like Siri, Alexa, 
assistant, AI? virtual assistant. Yeah, like the AI. Yeah, uh, it's called Yui. Hmm. Y U I. Is there own one Toyota's own? Uh, I, oh, I don't know. Hmm. I imagine it is. Toyota's <clears throat> sitting on a lot of uh, a lot of data. Apparently, they can make their own assistant to get the world's information. That's that's a good point. In fact, another device that was released that's kind of cool. Is it on this page? Um, it's by. Oh man, what's one of those tech tech companies or uh, La Nova Lenovo Nova Lenovo is coming out with a um, a device that's supposed to rival Google Home and Amazon Echo. Yes, I saw that, and it's using the same AI as the Echo, so it's <laughs> going to be powered by Alexa, but it's supposed to it, the hardware is supposed to be a lot better, although I think it's. $20 cheaper than the Echo. So do any of you guys own home automation yes. uh, items? Yep. What do, you, what do you own? Nest. I'm looking to get Nest. Don't get Nest. <laughs> Vivian guy over here. We, we sell oh. Nest. Vivian oh, sells Nest. Do? Yeah, we sell yeah, Nest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, uh, but there are other better options, even if you don't go with Vivian's own. Like what? Um, I can't remember. So don't uh, buy Nest, but <laughs> interesting fact about Nest, uh, it's something like 30 to 40% of purchased Nests never get installed because hmm. it, because it's do it yourself yeah. and people don't know how to do it. So I can see just, that. And it's cheap enough to where people can buy it and then like l- just leave it sitting around somewhere. One year I, I was given it. a remote start kit for my car. Like I could get <laughs> you in. never used it. Oh yeah. I opened that thing up and like. I have to know wiring and crap, and so I never installed it. Nest is not that hard. So yeah, it does seem easier. Who asked? I did. Why? So I, I want to know, does anyone with any degree feel uncomfort or discomfort uh, having, like, automation, home automation devices in your house? No. My wife does for the security element, which mm-hmm. is so weird because I talked to her about the smart locks where you can – Use your right. phone to unlock it and lock it, and, and she thinks, "Well, people can hack that." And I'm like, "There are probably less people who know how to hack that than to pick our lock." Yeah, <laughs> your door. In. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so like little weird things like that that people are are the discomfort comes from the naivete. So I have a little device that I can open and close my garage door with an app on my phone, but I do know someone who has that and. Uh, her garage door just keeps opening up while she's gone and closing by itself. Uh, and so, like, that's the kind of stuff, like, I don't think anyone's maliciously trying to do something, but it's a glitch. Something's going wrong. And Are you sure it's that device that's doing it to your friend, or is it no. that someone else in your neighborhood has a sim- exactly. same Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Well, it's not a pin. It's not a pin. It's not a pin. It's not a pin. Yeah. They might be using their If you take quicker. out the smart element from it and you use yeah. dumb... You know, if that I, happens, I do know it didn't because... happen until mm. she installed this okay. this item. But mm. uh, so anyway, the, like the thing is, like if there is a glitch or something that goes wrong with it, the downside is if it's something that is attached to the security of your home, then uh, it's kind of like small convenience for a big potential. Right. Uh, I guess downfall or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I gave it away. So it's not privacy you're worried about. It's no, more of the security. I do think that few people are interested in anything to do with me or my home. And chances of anything happening there are small. But uh, I just, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel like anyone really has a good handle on uh, 
creating great technology. Like if Apple were come out with like a whole suite of uh, home automation tools, I think I would I would do it. So a- Apple is, is uh, coming out with a rival to the Echo and yeah. Google Home. Yeah. Powered by Siri. Right. So you trust Apple but not Google? I do in terms of hardware. hardware? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I just bought a Google Home. And? I, haven't, I haven't gotten it yet. Hmm. We'll see. I saw that the Win in Las Vegas is adding Alexa to all of its hotel rooms. Does that make you nervous? For what? What do you mean for what? South you can what play, you music. play music, change the temperature. Is that true? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. It's like the little Amazon no, Alexa. I, yeah, no. I, well, Alexa, what is, she, what, what is it connected to, though? Like, is what it does it give you the, the ability to do? Is it connected I don't to know. speakers in the I room? I just saw, like, a news thing. They're, like, they're <laughs> adding it to all these rooms, but I guess a lot of people are saying that they don't like the fact that there's essentially a microphone that's recording in their room. Talking, yeah. 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 And it's like, that you're not the one that set it up, so you don't know how are they wiring, the, like, are they configuring them certain ways? I don't know. I prefer not to have microphones. Not that anything's going crazy in my hotel rooms. <laughs> uh, please don't edit that pause I'm out. definitely not editing I knew that, that pause was coming <laughs> I thought you were asking because CES there's a uh, Helia or Helia smart light bulb uh, that's being presented mm-hmm. that's not new though well, unless, uh, apparently well, does this it do is something? a type of new something huh. interesting it's a kind of light iOS night shift mode and the result is light that's easier on your tired eyes and brain and less disruptive to your sleep Hmm. Do you guys remember Li-Fi? Yeah. Hearing about Li-Fi? Yeah. Is that still a thing? I don't know. I got to tell you, smart light bulbs are like, uh, they're the things that like, there's a lot of focus in developing and doing R&D for new smart lights. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So that that's current events. Any, any other things you guys want to talk about? I want to talk about Wayne. Wayne, you want to talk about Kanye West visiting what, what Donald Trump? I know you're a big Kanye and Trump fan, so you're two, <laughs> you're two heroes. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so Wait, I you really don't know what you're talking about? Or not, Several weeks ago? Donald Trump. Yeah, this isn't current events. Is that, or no, that was new. No, that Kanye went to Trump Tower. Yeah, that's a couple weeks ago. Oh, dang it. Come on, Paxton. For the TV. record, I'm, yes, big Kanye. Well, not big, but I'm a Kanye West fan. Yeah. Trump fan. Sure, he's our president. Or will be. All right. He's a good American. Patriotic. <laughs> support him. Uh, current is relative, by the way. Two weeks, that's pretty current, right? Yeah. We weren't here two weeks ago, so I'm just catching up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more yeah. than two weeks ago. Merry Christmas, by the way, since we're talking about things that have Happy happened Hanukkah. since the last time we've met. Okay, so let's introduce Wayne. Wayne, why don't you take 30 to 60 seconds and tell us what you do? What I do? So I work at 97th Floor. Uh, same agency as Paxton, same as both Brandon and Jacob used to work at as well. Um, I run operations, so the day-to-day side of the business, Chris Benna, our CEO, is more external face, kind of the big picture, speaking at conferences, that kind of stuff, and I work more closely on the day-to-day stuff at the office. We're seeing the work and HR and finances, all that kind of stuff. Do you like it? Love it. Yeah. How, how long have you been there now? And he's in floor seven and a half years. Yeah. And how long are you going to stay? Um, I don't know. I don't really have a time frame for, I mean, the, the long answer to this is we've talked about this for a long time that we want 90 cent floor to be a success for 
all of us. Um, so me individually, obviously, I want that as, as a success. And a success in our definition is having 90 Cent Floor be continually improving the quality of work that we do, quality of people that we uh, work with, and be around as long as possible. So 20 years that you know my daughter can apply to 90 Cent Floor. That's cool to me. So whether I'm there or not, I don't really care at that point. I just want it to be around. So if I can have a hand in helping it be there in 20 years, then I'll be around. If someone else would do it better than me, then then I won't be around. Does that make sense? It does make sense. A little fluffy? Uh, no, no. I mean, it's a, it is a little fluffy, sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> you guys know my history. I came from an, an agency here locally. They got acquired, you know, 20-something million, big success story, and their doors are shut at this point. Like, where's the legacy? You're talking about orange soda. Sure. Yeah, I, was, I don't. Know, I don't know the etiquette of, of podcasts. We love there. dropping names. Okay. Yeah. Good company, <laughs> but but there's no legacy now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, everyone has their own definition. I'm sure. Does that, that mean that, that you're against being acquired? No, I'm I'm fine being acquired if it's a one that I believe that would allow 90 Cent Floor to work with more brands and more you know bigger companies, get us some connection, you know, indoors there where we can grow. But if it's just acquiring us for capital just to, you know, make have money. five, ten years of 90 cent floor and increase margins like crazy and make a lot of money for the company that acquires us, then I'll, I personally wouldn't want that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I, I think for us to be around, uh, you know, like I said, 20 years and keep growing, I think we need to expand into different markets as well. Yes, we're a digital company, so we can we work with companies in Australia and London and stuff like that. But the best... Uh, relationships are ones that we can actually go on site and visit with them and whatnot. So for travel costs, it'd be better to have offices in different regions as well to visit our clients a little bit more often. When did Chris start 97th floor? That was 2005. 2005. September. And when did you join? 2009, summer of 2009. So four years, he was basically just kind of collecting clients Uh by himself got busy enough where you came in and at that time it was like i'm sure link building galore right uh-huh yeah yeah so so he worked I mean, it was a one-man show but he worked he had contractors and that was what i was when i first started i was just a contractor i was doing sales for orange soda and then i i wanted to actually do the work to learn it more mm-hmm. so he just had me doing small you know side stuff like link building um and it just naturally but involved into a, a full-time theme and i was doing good enough job and taking on enough work that it freed him up to be doing a little bit more in sales. And then he also wanted to get into design. So he was focusing a, a lot more of his time on design um, stuff. And that's what kind of built 97 floor into a household, not a household name, but in the industry, a pretty recognized name. <laughs> it's, for household here <laughs> it's household here locally. It's household here locally. Again, this is when infographics were brand new back yeah. in 2009. 2009. Let's actually clarify something. So 97 floor is a digital marketing agency. You've, mm-hmm. you've, uh, Claim to be a full service agency, so you you offer SEO. You've got PPC now. You've got mm-hmm. a paid team. You've got video. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? What Developers, am I missing? Oh, develop, yeah. So designers. Do you do, do do you do web dev for clients? Yep. yep. Yeah. And you've got a whole de- a designer team. Yep. Um, how many clients do you have? About 60, 70. I think we're maybe. a little little over seventy. That's it hot. depends on how you count it. If it's like a retaining client, sometimes we get clients yeah, that just no, want a good. website. Yeah, you and right. we. Plus the yeah. a couple months and it's over. So what's the five-year plan? We have mostly right now a one-year plan. 
it's it, we're on the last year plan. The we last really, year of the five year plan. <laughs> it was so, like uh, a three year like plan. A three year plan back when we first like <laughs> yeah. discussed it. Uh, it's a revenue based number, and it's not about the money, but it's about at with how our finances are, how like our margins, all that kind of stuff. If we can reach this point in, in terms of revenue, it will allow us to do a lot of stuff. Like I said, we'd have money to be able to. Uh, go out and acquire other agencies that maybe we're not as strong at a, a specific service or we're, um, that we can acquire that type of company. Mm-hmm. Or we could yeah, love acquire a company that's, you know, uh, an agency that's big in the UK if we wanted to grow out there. So that's why we have this revenue mark is it just with how our finances work and our margins and all that kind of stuff, it would allow us to have options to do that kind of stuff. It would allow us options to bring in different executives like I was talking about before. Maybe there's some executives that have taken agencies to that global mm-hmm. you know, status before we can pay them a ton of money and have them help grow 97th floor and kick me out and kick Chris out or something like that. Um, so that's what like, that our sounds heads like a are great down plan. right now. Let's kick out the CEO and the COO. <laughs> uh, Paxton too. Kick Paxton out. out. Uh, so <laughs> the, the CEO, the COO and the Paxton. <laughs> so at some point, do you want to expand into new areas? I mean, is that even on the table in the near what type future? Of new areas do you mean? So like, like services? No, no, no. Well, yeah. I mean, you could go into that if you want, but I'm thinking location. You, you mentioned the UK. I mean, but there are, I mean, oh, Lehigh yeah. is a pretty, I mean, it's a hotbed for mm-hmm. digital right now, but, uh, San Francisco, the Bay area is huge yeah. in digital. New York is huge in digital. Are there plans to expand locations mm-hmm. with your agency, and what does that look like? No concrete plans. Um, I think so. We did try with Josh. You guys obviously all know very well. Um, Josh Moody, Canada. Yeah, he went out to Toronto and and tried. It was uh, short lived. We were some not educated stuff. on international um, things. So basically, it came down to where we'd either have to set up shop as a Canadian and get all the you know licenses and all that kind of stuff, um, or he wouldn't be able to live there so or get another job or whatever so anyway we brought him back obviously um so i don't think we do international at this point again just with money and all that kind of stuff like we don't have the or the expertise to do that right now um but i think san francisco probably would be the next because that's outside of utah that's probably our the most clients would you agree pax of where our clients are located uh san francisco yeah yeah definitely i mean it hasn't been a problem yet just because it's such a short flight yeah, we so we, we've been like once a month at least. Yeah, usually. A client or two. With most contracts uh, in San Francisco, like we're out there once a quarter for each contract. So we have people going out there all the time. And that seems to be enough. It's kind of hard. Uh, like with our industry, lots of stuff is digital. And so uh, it, it doesn't nece- need a, like an in-person meeting. And when it does, we can fly out. Uh, as opposed to like more traditional advertising where you've got prints to sign off and a lot more physical materials to go over that make it a little more difficult. Hmm. You guys are on the road system. So I'm trying to think of, you want to explain to find that for our listeners? Well, I'm hoping he will. Okay. Or you, I don't care who, uh, but I, I want to give a little context. I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm putting myself in the shoes of a small business, right? Cause you guys are, are still a small business yeah. and I'm thinking I want to get some value out of this. Right. And, and so if, if some people are listening and they're like, um, they're having problems with their, their employees, turnover, whatever, what, what, and I brought up row and that's an example and we can talk through row, but what, what could you tell a small business owner who is, who's wanting to grow and expand just like you guys are, uh, 
how have you found success in keeping turnover low and uh, expanding not just in revenue, but in uh, number of employees and, I mean, just like the normal definition of growth? Yeah. Well, I think uh, any business is going to say, you know, treating their people well is their main objective or one of their main objectives and it's key and all that kind of stuff. And it's true, but we're a service business, right? Mm -hmm. Our product is our employees. So it's way more important to us. I'm sorry, to us than, you know, say an app or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If some of their employees aren't so happy or efficient, you know, the iPhone's still going to (laughs) sell as long as the engineers are doing well. Anyway. So for us, I mean, that's the number by far the number one thing is we need to, Create a workplace that there isn't turnover, that we're attracting the best talent, that we're retaining the best talent, and that people are being the most efficient that they can be. So that's where row comes into play. I feel like when people talk about 97th floor, like that's the only thing. There, there's several other things with our culture that I think is important. Well, I know there's but no Ro's, ping pong tables. There's no ping pong tables, yeah. <laughs> it's a long story, but <laughs> uh, we like having fun. We have an Xbox. So. We also have a foosball table. Do we, oh, yeah, yeah. Cheap. No one uses it. But, it's yeah. on top of the fridge. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, but Rose, definitely one of the, if not the uh, most important aspects of our culture. And one of them. And uh, Roe, you want me to get into that? Mm-hmm. What Roe is, so it's a results-only work environment. Uh, started over 10 years ago by uh, two ladies at, at the time were at Best Buy, HR department in Best Buy. Now they have their own firm that trains organizations like 97 floor get them certified all that kind of stuff in the row environment right? results only work environment and the basic principle is uh the employer gives the employee 100 percent autonomy to do their work how they want when they want where they want all that type of stuff um and re- in return the employee gives the employer 100 percent accountability um so yeah that, that, that's the basic gist uh meaning you, you can get, do whatever you want as long as your work gets done as long as the work gets done so there's no you know, conversations of, oh, you, you know, I was sick or you know, I just ran out of time or whatever. It's good on the employer side is we don't have to spend time managing people, their lives. And well, if you're sick, okay, well, how about come in work extra hours the next day? Or and that, we, we don't have to get into that kind of stuff. We just have to manage the work. So for managers, it saves a lot of time, gets it. It's objective. There's no more subjective conversations out there. Um, and for the employee, it allows them not to have to, you know, if they're having a bad day, they can go skiing yeah and uh how do you measure how do you measure that so if someone i mean it's work only how are you measuring what metric are you using to determine whether or not someone's getting their work done yes i mean for our type of work again we're service so it'd probably be more difficult for other type of works but almost all employees on our in the company are in fulfillment so it's the same metrics that clients judge 97 floor off of so as long as the employees are delivering for the clients what we've you know, so if the employer contracts. in the contract it states like the KPIs have to do with number of links built or uh, conversions, yeah, right. yeah. So you're using the same metrics. So you it could be different based on done. person. Yeah. It's it's based on each person because designers, sure. for example, how how are they measured by the number of? I, I imagine there are timeline goals that they need to meet in order to get their their you know their pieces out. Have you ever have you found anyone who has taken advantage of the system and not? gotten their work done i know and from my viewpoint i've never seen that happen 
where they've taken advantage of the system and not gotten their work done. I think people have taken advantage of the system and got their work done in less, less time, time than they're doing. They so maybe some people are working 30 hours a week. But, okay, who cares? Yeah. I'm fine with that. As long as it's legitimately good work, so it's on the manager's, you know, responsibility to ensure that it's actually good work and not yeah. just a half-day job. Uh, so do you attribute that to Roe? Or do you think that that's more hiring good people? A little bit of both. I, I think both go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we want people that can, you know, be as efficient as possible and get the amount of work that a normal employee does, whether designer or marketer or whatever, in 30 hours as opposed to the 40, 50 that other employees do. But at the time, we still want ambitious people mm-hmm. that want to work more. So let's give them more work. Let's pay them more and everything's better. I will say, I, th- I think the system itself uh, communicates a certain level of trust to the employees, which is there. And that communication of trust, I think, turns around and helps the employees feel ownership over their work. And the ability to control their own schedule allows them to know when they need to push harder and when they can pull back. And I think that level of control allows them uh, uh, the the motivation, I guess you could say, to, to maybe work smarter and, and do better. So I do think the system itself actually ends up creating better work. But it is, like 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 Wayne said, a little bit of both. Like, we do have really great talent, too, that we bring in nice and floor. And again, row isn't only about time. I feel like that's what most people right. always bring up. is like, oh, you get to work from home. You get to work 30 hours or six. Those, those, are, those are just the bullet points you give the potential employees when they're looking to, to get hired. I imagine it's a big just selling point when way you're to communicate what it is. Right, but it's, it's a lot more. It's about... It, in another, you know, book that Dan Pink's like the drive book about um, what really motivates people that goes hand in hand with Roe. I mean, in the book, he talks about Roe and in Roe, they talk a lot about that book. Um, and one of the big points is autonomy. And it's not just so, so we focus with Ro, people think about the time autonomy with Roe, but there's also uh, autonomy with uh, technique, task and your team as well. So I think that's one thing that's overlooked in, in when we're talking about Roe is. It allows people to decide, you know, what type of people they surround themselves with on the team. We have people at 97th floor that are up for promotion. And there's two or three different teams that are trying to hire this person. So it's all internal and within the same company, but there's, you know, negotiations. So they're all treated as their own, like, individual businesses. Right, in a way, yeah. So um, headhunting within the organization. <laughs> sure. Um, but it allows the person, once they, once they choose, they're choosing the team they go on. They're going to do a lot better work as opposed to be us as management being like, hey, Joe, you're going to this team. Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. Then you get, you get to uh, technique and tasks. This is what you're doing, Joe. This is how you're doing it. You know, that only goes so far. We still, obviously, it's not like the Wild Wild West. We give them, we give them training and all that kind of stuff and direction. We have leaders in place to point them in the right direction, do what they want. But at the end of the day, they get to choose. And going into sports, like that's been, kind of been uh, one of the topics recently about uh, coaching is that for the most part, lots of coaches are just very, you, you do what I say. There's been a lot of talk lately of, of having players do more play calling and be more part of the game plan and that kind of stuff with the whole idea that if the players are deciding what they're going to do, they're going to actually execute better. So I think that's what we've seen in business at Ninth Stone Floor and what other companies that are doing row the same thing is you let your employees have the autonomy to dictate what they're going to do they're going to do a lot better of a job it's just natural instinct that you take more pride because i said i'm 
this is how it's going to be. Like, I want to make sure it works out well. So if you, if you had to give advice to someone who was running their own small business, maybe if you had to give yourself advice, I guess, back in the old days of 97th floor, would you recommend to yourself that you go with the same system then? Or do you feel like it wouldn't have worked until we were at the point when we actually implemented it? I don't know. I'm, uh, I never really like given advice, like general advice, because there's so many different situations. My advice would just be. But I mean, specific right to yourself, like back when I said oh, four sure. was, yeah. uh, you know, we were 12 people. Yeah, so we, when we first, you know, again, I wasn't there when I started, but as far as like the actual, like, you know, what you would think of a company of like office and actual like employees and that kind of stuff. We did just what was traditional. So my advice would be don't do the traditional stuff just because you're, you're it's fine doing it. But like, first think about why you're going to be doing things. If you're going to have people working eight to five and clocking in, that's fine. I'm not going to tell you not to do it because that might make sense, but don't do it just because that's every job that you ever worked at first. And that's what we did. It was just, that's jobs we had. So we implemented those policies. And then after, I don't remember year or two or however long it took, we started like taking a step back and thinking, why did, did we implement these policies? So yeah. And then in, in terms of row, whether you do it or not, whatever um but hire the right people be super you know try as hard you're always gonna you know get some bad apples and whatnot but you do your best to hire the right people and then you hire them and you trust in them get out of their way and let them what, do their thing what are them. like the key traits that because i'm sure there's people listening who are maybe looking to build their own little in-house team or they're, they're in some sort of uh, hiring process what are like the key things that you look for like this person's going to be not only a great marketer but a great employee if they've had their own uh high school sports website that, that, <laughs> that's a good that's one number one we've already, we've already talked on the show that that he was uh sloppy seconds when he got hired <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> pass on that. Um, what are some traits for hiring just a, an employee and when I was the last know. time you hired an employee, yeah, it's Wayne? Been a while. I feel like I used to have this stuff on the top of my head now. Now Paxton and guy. Andrew and those people, I don't get invited too much to interviews. They don't like me anymore. Is that true, Pax? That is not you true. You don't like Wayne anymore? I'm actually, it's on my to-do list to invite you to the next one. It's on Friday. Like starting right now? After he said that? No, like, oh, I, no. I interviewed it's one person that I want Wayne to, to meet. Um, okay. Well, like early on, though, I, know, I think right? that was like the pivotal point. I mean, you hired... Jacob and I and two others and mm-hmm. had things gone south like that could it was either yeah. going to be really good or this could be a huge disaster if we get the wrong people. Yeah. Do you think that you did a good job picking then or do you look at it? <clears throat> maybe you'd still pick the same people, but maybe you'd look at something different, like different traits than you were then. Or do you like the way that you were picking those employees and you would go back and do the same thing again? Wait, or to throw throw one more thing in there. <laughs> do you feel like you could have hired almost any four people and because of the way things were set up it was bound to be successful despite who you're hired or let me throw one other thing in here (laughs) do you think you could have just hired paxton and it would have (laughs) completely uh made it unnecessary to hire the other four (laughs) what's the original question again (laughs) i've had this conversation or this discussion with josh like a million times and the answer is i don't know like it was just luck or there was you know specific traits that I thought were good, and I just found in the the four of you. Um, I'm sure it's probably a little bit of both. Um, 
So yeah, I, I don't, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. Yes, fair enough. I think from from my angle, maybe you agree. I think the reason we, like personally, I thought I developed super fast uh, inside of 97th Floor, knowing very little about digital marketing upon getting the job. I think one of the reasons we grew so fast is we were essentially just locked in a room. Maybe not locked. We were allowed to have lunch breaks and whatnot. <laughs> but we were stuck in a room, and that it was almost just like this incubator to where every idea or question we had, we just threw it out there and we were able to learn together. Whereas your typical work environment, a new person gets hired and they kind of observe the more experienced employees and, and just slowly learn. Um, I almost feel like that environment, uh, had I not been in that, I wouldn't have learned as fast versus Paxton hiring me and then I kind of just learned through him. Well, we started and two weeks, none of us had experience, but two weeks later, we all had clients. Had clients. Uh-huh. So we had we had to learn, and we had to learn fast. Uh, but you're right; the incubator it was kind of a think tank. Uh, there's still a Google Doc that ranks for uh, best pizza? best pizza in Lehigh, Utah. I don't uh, know if it still ranks. Brandon did tell me that he did have experience. So this is news to me that he was lying on his <laughs> you know application. Like, I don't think any of us uh, had like professional for SEO for DP cheesesteaks. Had them rank number one. Linda. That's right. Linda, um, you can rank number one for anything. I, I, think in there was also, I think there was also an element of it was a very much of a startup feel. Like, sure, like the brand had been around for a while and we had existing clients, but you guys all understood like the company was kind of like going to make it or break it on your backs. You know what I mean? So I think that also pushed all of you to, to, uh, sorry, I guess for me. That's right. <clears throat> Uh, anyway, it pushed you guys to want to, you know, do everything you guys can do to make it successful. Yeah. yeah. Any any last questions for Wayne? I have a question. Okay. Oh, I got something to get off my chest. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you guys do, I mean, it's a marketing podcast. So one question I was wondering, your marketing efforts at 97th Floor are different than your typical, like, agency or freelancer. They put a lot of effort into marketing, like, you know, growing their social, like, so they have these big social numbers. So when prospective clients come and they can see, oh yeah, these guys are legit. They've got X done for 97th floor for ourselves. Just, yeah. For your like own, like your, the, the online presence of 97th oh, floor, okay. obviously you guys have done well. And I would imagine that a lot of your business is like word of mouth and referrals from happy clients, bringing on other businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess in those early days, I guess today it's not as important just because you have the portfolio that just kind of trumps whatever um, social following you have. But those early days when you were, didn't have the name and you didn't have the big clients to kind of back you up, how what was like your big approach or your your biggest success in getting clients on board was it outbound inbound efforts was there something that just worked and that's where the clients just started rolling in so when i came we already had some big name accounts so i never had to go through that experience and i think that was the i think that's the hardest part everything that i didn't have to experience on 97 floor i think that's the hardest part of probably growing any business but at least agency wise i didn't have to go mm-hmm. through that and no one that's and at 97 floor, I had to go through it. That was Chris by himself. Um, but yeah, from what he did, he, he was big into blogging. Uh, he, he blogged all the time on 97 floor's blog and he spoke at conferences. He hustled. He was out of all the conferences, you know, giving case studies and tactics and stuff. And that's what won him clients. 
you guys still speak a lot? Like, is that still kind of a big push to get marketers going out to? I don't know if I'd say it's a big push, but yeah, we get out here and there. Have you noticed successes from it or is it not worth? Are you talking about success in like getting picking new clients? Clients. A lot of people are like, oh, should I invest in, you know, flying out to New York to speak at this? Like, am I actually going to get clients from it or I'm just going to meet a few well, people? There's also it. an element of um, developing your employee's career. Right. 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 So and that's like a, that's a perk. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perk too. Like it helps them like feel more satisfaction that we fly them out to New York to go speak at a conference. First class, no less. I will say, too, that employees, at least in the past, have not been sent out with the objective of finding new business. So if new business does come from speaking, it's just because the employees spoke so well, uh, typically, um, rather than them being aggressive and kind of going out and landing some some new account. I don't have any metrics, for, but I'd say your typical employee is probably like a 50-50 chance of them speaking. You know, for every two speaking gigs that an employee has, we'll get a lead from it. Chris has a way, you know, he's speaking at big conferences, doing keynotes and stuff, and he's well known. So he, every, anytime he speaks, we get several clients and really good ones. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of in, indirect um, things that impact sales as well. If, you know, we're dealing with a client that came from a Moz's recommend the list or, you know, something like that. And as we're in the sales process, we tell them you're going to be joining, you know, uh, PJ's team, that would be your team or whatever. And, you know, he spoke at this conference, this conference, he won Young Search Marketer of the Year at, you know, US Search Awards. Like that type of stuff helps solidify, like close the deal, basically. So hmm. I, I do think there's other benefits out of just directly getting a lead, a business card at that conference that help with sales growth. Okay. So last seven and a half years, that's how long you said you've been there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Biggest failure. I think oh, I know. Man. You think you know? Mm-hmm. I was actually going to ask a similar question. Okay. This would probably be a question I should ask you three. <laughs> uh, you guys well, hang on. Well, most of I was going to ask your biggest failure of 2016. Would you agree that it was the decision to purchase the new MacBook Pro for all employees? We haven't purchased it yet, but Apple did just send us uh, uh, the contract. And, like, right so you still have I time to get out of this, right? We do, yeah. Okay, that's good. There's hope for you. So why but is it a say really that? good deal? I was playing hardball and I got John Paxton before I was pumped today. Why are, why are you against that, Brandon? What he he's against the new MacBook. I just why? hate the new MacBook Pro. Why? I he, hates, it's a great he doesn't laptop. like dongles. Just not. I don't think the Pro should be on there. Uh, you're being too ambiguous. I need I need well, I, I need more. I'm not going to get into it with uh, three minutes left. No, get into I'm it. I'm not a fan of the MacBook Pro. You need too many things to be able to connect all these other yeah. things to it. I like. Uh, I just don't want to buy all those dongles. Well, guess everything. what? They're gone for good. So from here on out, <laughs> yeah, you, you're just not going to be a pro fan. <laughs> no, I'm just going to keep using this. Hmm. Treat it like a baby as long as I can. Okay, my question. Okay, forget Brandon. <laughs> my question was not answered. I want to know your biggest failure at 97 Floor. It doesn't have to be you personally, uh, but like as a company, does it? Are there any that stick out? Apparently not, because it's no. There's a lot that stick out. I'm trying to think biggest, because I always feel like I'm going to answer a question like this, and then I'll be driving home, and I'll be like, "Oh wait, there's three ones that were bigger than this." But the first one, I guess, that came to my mind. I really want to know your guys' thoughts on 97 floor or me personally, but um, I also don't want to get give out like personal stuff. But we we had uh, in 2016, so in 2015, uh, we were trying to figure out sales. You guys know the history. We've never focused on sales or anything like that. We, I guess we kind of just talked about that, of how, how we've grown. We just were able to close 
deals without trying that hard or having many people like Chris did it forever and then his assistant who turned out and did really good with that type of stuff. I bet that's really helpful to all those small businesses out there who <laughs> yeah, sorry. who are struggling. Anyway, well, we, I think um, I could go ahead. Well, let me finish this real yeah. quick. So uh, the idea was in 2015, we had one person doing sales and he was doing good. So we thought, let's uh, just go out and get three uh, sales guys that have some experience and sell. Blow it we out got of someone water. from Apple, our salesperson from Apple we brought over and two other people. And we thought, hey, we can just, uh, you know, have four people and be, you know, four tri- times triple, just, yeah, yeah tri- tripling the, the amount of deals. And the mistake that we didn't realize is, well, that we learned throughout that year is that our customers don't need just a traditional like salesperson. Um, it's more of a kind of a doctor type of a sale where clients come in, they're already sold on 90 cent floor, right? At least the leads that we have right now in the future, we might be getting different types of leads. The leads that come in now, they already want 90 cent floor. They might be shopping us versus a couple of other agencies, but they don't need to be sold on, um, you know, we're, we're a great agency and all that kind of stuff. Like, sure, we give that kind of stuff, but what they want is, they want to come to us. They need someone that's going to look at their, you know, marketing strategy, their site, all that kind of stuff, and diagnose it. Di- diagnose, you know, what type of opportunities they have, what, you know, what projections they can do. And the salespeople um, were not trained for that. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they didn't have passion for, you know, this thing. Anyway, so at the end of 2015, we did a test where we had some, you know, team leads, Paxton included, and some other people take some leads. No sales, I guess Paxton has some sales experience, but most people no sales experience. They didn't have much time to dedicate and do all that kind of stuff. They closed like crazy. So we finally learned the lesson like, okay, we need people that know marketing to be doing our sales. We can't just have random salespeople. Like I was at Orange Soda. I had no idea about marketing. And they hired me because I sold cell phones in college at Singular Wireless. And I could close. But those type of Orange Soda is a different type of agency than Mm -hmm. us. So biggest failure was hiring three new so, yeah, salespeople. I think we wasted we wasted money, we wasted time. people's time, we wasted our own time. Um, if I if we would have figured this out earlier, 2015 would have even been better. And by no means was 2015 bad. Like we still grew. So we are running out of time, but I do want to I do want to bring up one last thing, and it's the billboards that are all over Utah County. <laughs> I've asked I've asked Paxton about this, but because he's not over it, he doesn't have as many answers as I want. What is the purpose of the billboards? Who are you targeting? Yeah. Um, there's several. Fa- Paxton has the answers. I've, this I've told you anyway, the answers the to this. The facets of this are, um, one, for uh, applications. We want more people to know of 97th floor. Um, so they apply and we mm-hmm. get better talent, right? If everyone in Utah County and Salt Lake County know about 97th floor, and they are looking for a marketing agency. They'll at least apply, so we'll be able to get better talent. Is that is that something that you were lacking? No, but it's something we felt we could improve. Okay. The second one, which is probably the, I guess I'd put it as number one reason because we we're lacking, was just no one really heard of Nine Cent Floor. You go to a conference and you yeah. you say I'm from Nine Cent Floor, then people hear of you. You can go to New York and say I'm Nine Cent Floor. Oh yeah, I know Nine Cent Floor. How's Chris doing? How's it? Right, but you're at the supermarket. You're playing basketball here locally and you, you say you work at 97th floor, everyone just looks at you like, never heard of it. Like, okay, you have a crappy job, right? Then your friend <laughs> over there says, where do you work from? And they're like, oh, I work at Adobe. Everyone's like, oh, nice. So it kind of just, it was kind of a crappy feeling, like you didn't get the respect, right? Yeah. So we wanted to do it for employees, all of us, to be able to, you know, people know where we work. 
have a little bit more pride in 97th floor. So I think that was probably the number one reason. And, it, and it's worked. I was telling, talking to some people about this. Like, ever since these billboards this year, like, it's very rare that someone hasn't heard of 97th floor. And, like, it's instant, like, just, okay, like, you guys are a big company. Even though we already did. And I've had conversations with Paxton about this. I've always hated this about business, like, this kind of fluffy. Because who can, anyone can put a billboard up. That doesn't mean they're a legit company. So as far as us, like, our actual satisfaction and job fulfillment – Billboards don't matter, right? It's what we're doing, you know, what we're building. And that's what matters. But that's how the world works. And we're kind of having to play into it. And then the third one is lots of the billboards are about um, awards and like, like, you know, one of them's, uh, what is it, Inc. Magazine, 50 Best Places to Work in uh, Mm -hmm. uh, America in 2016. People that are driving by, potential clients, if they see that, hopefully they put two and two together that, okay, they're one of the best places to work. They have a great workplace. They must have the best talent, right? Or at least the top talent or some of the top talent in 97th floor. That top talent's going to work on my account. Okay, I should hit them up. Okay, so you gave me three reasons. Yeah. Paxton gave me one. So that's what I mean by that's Paxton not having a difference answer. between No, that's the difference between me and Paxton. Paxton's way more precise, <laughs> articulate, and clear-headed. You, you say precise. He gave me 33% of what you just told me. <laughs> uh, so the 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 question i'm coming to is the fact that the billboards don't have calls to action Mm -hmm. so i want to know what the thought process was behind that because if you are trying to attract talent Mm -hmm. you're not you're not you're not telling the talent to apply Mm -hmm. if you're trying to attract clients you're not telling the clients where to go to find you Mm -hmm. uh what was the conversation that you guys had deciding whether or not to have a call to action because that does go against common practice especially with billboards and being able to track whether it's successful in driving more applications or driving more clients. Um, tell me about that. Well, so I'm saying that out of those, those two other ones in terms of more uh, applicants and more, more leads, those were kind of the secondary ones Yeah, that we just kind of hoped as a byproduct. The number one, which was the need, we didn't, we didn't need more applications. We don't need more. Sure, anyone needs more leads and sure. more applicants, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't as big of a need in terms of just that branding, like everyone knowing in Utah who 97th floor is and that well at least in utah county oh, okay yeah sure well <laughs> we have it on the border going north so most people that would see it are oh, people it. going north, come saying. down to yeah things even point and yeah, go yeah, home yeah. i will say <clears throat> and we're doing salt lake next year so i mean yeah. i i wasn't involved year. in the creation of these billboards but to me uh calls to action depending on how they're used uh i mean you look at some of the top brands and their ads don't have calls to action uh it's just that we exist, and here's this thing that we do. Um, do you have examples? Apple, yeah, Apple in San Francisco. You see that all their billboards. It's just the iPad. I mean, every iPad, startup in San buy. Francisco has like their billboards. None of them have like calls to action. Google, uh, like Google's uh, Google Docs or their apps. They have billboards all over San Francisco. It's just like do or like. Wouldn't it be kind of weird though that we're marketing agents and, and on digital more like online, and yet we're trying to get leads from billboards. So if like we had a call to action where it's like, you know, call us and we'll do your marketing, your digital marketing. Isn't that a little bit weird? No way. Not with the new billboards where you're like doing bidding. I mean, that's like as digital as it gets. Yeah. Okay. It, I mean, it does. It does seem I, I agree with you when you throw up a phone number. That's weird. Right. But you have but a phone number. Come, OK. You've got okay. a phone. You've got a receptionist. So you got I, someone who's I will answering. say but I mean, it's, a, it's a like, that's not the image that we've built okay. over the last yeah. 12 years. Yeah. No, this. Yeah. You're answering my question perfectly. Yeah, we don't want to be that agency that 
looks like we need because we don't keep and it's, back. it's it's worked i mean like we have gotten more applicants and people do recognize nice and floor more are you doing whether a survey? Or not, how do you know that um how do we know that people recognize how are you quantifying whether or not oh, we're not people? i'm not oh, okay i'm not well, well, i i can quantify applicants like i see they come so, kind yeah, of my inbox yeah, so yeah, i can see that but, we can, yeah, yeah. Uh, but my own personal experience like i can say to a friend hey i work at nice and floor and they know now i often go speak at classrooms and uh i always ask the students who's heard of nice and floor and uh when i first was doing this two years ago rare that someone would raise their hand but now i always get at least half the class sometimes closer to 75 percent of the class hearing about nice and floor okay so um, that, that, that's that's what i was asking yeah that's how you quantify it sure is is you're you're doing surveys th- over time yeah and you're getting more people responding that's perfect another point that i don't think we ever thought of in the beginning is lots of our can I keep going? No, no, oh, keep sorry. going. I don't want to run too much. Time. I was just looking um, at Brandon, and it looks is, like he's about, he's like <laughs> just lounging over there. <laughs> sorry for boring you, Brandon. I'm just chilling. Is our clients that are in Utah? We've had a lot of them reach out to or like you know just an email correspondence or on a meeting or whatever, like mention that they saw the um the ad and how cool uh, the billboard, yeah, and how cool it is that like yeah. their agency is growing. Again, it's back to that thing that it doesn't mean anything, like, but in the world, like when you don't really think about it, like most people don't dig into what is a billboard it's just a sign of kind of success like, yeah there's oh, wow, you guys are there blowing sure. up like okay yeah. and you guys you're my agency like sweet you know? i mean paxton's face was on one of them at one point that's right that's so really prestigious yeah. well there's uh, value associating right. your brand with other brands and so they're on i-15 for example you've got other big tech companies and then they see 97th floor there so there's an association. Hey, that billboard is right next to Adobe. If they start running jazz game ads, like no one's going to be like, I should hire 90 Cent Floor. But they will associate, wow, 90 Cent Floor in Utah Jazz. It just kind of increases that level of authority. Authority, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. Is that there's a jazz billboard right after ours on the digital? No, I'm That's saying like at a jazz game, like uh-huh. if you're sitting there and then all of a sudden all of the screens oh, okay. light up. Wait a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't feel floor. like the jazz brand is probably best for this example. Since, but, wait, flippers, w- right? when, did we, <laughs> when did we switch from billboard to advertising I'm at the jazz game? Like, He's just saying asking the, the smart home arena. <clears throat> the smart home arena? The yeah, Vivint smart home arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to set you up for a little Vivint plug, plug here. Yeah, I'm sure that's why you did that. Nice. If you want to buy Vivint, use my referral code. Do you guys have referral cuts? Yeah, I think we do, actually. Awesome. Refer a friend. Uh, can we wrap up? Yeah, let's wrap up. Wayne Slight, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, man. We're going to edit out like 20 minutes of this. Makes sense. It's going to be the be- It's going to be the best 60. I mean, the best 45 out of the 60 <laughs> we've got. Uh, if you found value in this episode, please rate us on iTunes. It really helps out a lot. If you want to reach out and submit topic ideas, or if you'd like to join the show... Uh, you can reach out. Uh, uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter at below the fold io. You can also reach us on email, uh, and that is inbound at below the fold dot io. Until next week, we'll see you below the fold. <laughs>